0: congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ I'm not being dramatic by saying that Satan hates you it's the simple fact of scriptures teaching you have been rescued from Satan's power and uh, you are being renewed in the image of God and Satan hates the fact that you have been rescued from his grasp, and he hates the image of God because those things undermine his kingdom and power. And uh, we might say that he wants you back. He wants to destroy you. You are, uh, whether you realize it fully or not, you are engaged in a spiritual conflict with this one who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, that's not the theme of the book of Ephesians. In fact, we might rather say that uh, the theme of this book is uh, one of peace. Peace that has been achieved through the Lord Jesus Christ, who reconciled us to God through the blood of his cross, and who also reconciles uh, people to uh, one another. And we are secure in Christ. He has been exalted. To the right hand of god and he rules over principalities and powers and every name that is named not only in this age but in uh, the age to come and that includes those demonic uh, wicked powers and principalities of which our text speaks in christ we have redemption through his blood in christ we have an inheritance but the fact remains that we yet have dreadful enemies now, that doesn't mean that we live in terror. It doesn't mean that we question uh, whether or not this battle will one day end or whether Christ and his kingdom will be victorious. These things are certain. But in the meantime, we must not forget uh, the spiritual warfare that we're in or fail to take it seriously. We need to know our enemies. We need to face them. We need to resist them. And we need to defeat their aims by the power of God. We are to be strong in the Lord. And we're to be strong against these powerful enemies that we're going to uh, consider this morning. Uh, There is this dark description of these evil forces we are against. It's probably the darkest description of of Satan and his uh, host that we find in all of Scripture, especially in verse 12. And uh, there, Paul spells out the significance of what he says when he reminds us that we do not fight, we do not wrestle against uh, flesh and blood, we do not fight against mortal enemies, and we need to remember that. We need to remember the fact that uh, Satan and evil spirits are behind whatever human enemies or human conflicts we might face. And that can quickly be forgotten in the midst of conflicts with people. He works in the sons of disobedience, is what chapter 2 says, of his influence over others. And we need to appreciate that whatever hostility we might face from this world, or ridicule, or opposition, Satan's aims, Satan's goals are much more insidious and much more uh, dangerous and deadly than the the goals of fellow workers, perhaps who might ridicule your faith, who may want to poke fun of you, or speak against you. Their aim might simply be to uh, get laughter at your expense or discredit your Christian testimony. But behind it, indeed, is Satan's desire to undermine the truth, to undermine his influence and authority uh, over other or over you. And his goals are not simply temporary. His plans are not simply to cause you some earthly trouble on the job, with the art your reputation. His goal is always uh, destruction of our souls, with ramifications for the life to come, even far more than this present life. We need to be aware of that. And actually, remembering this also should help us in the way we look at others, even in the way we look at those who are our enemies by their attitude and conduct towards us. Jesus commanded us to love them. And uh, one one valuable help to loving them as Christ commanded us is to look upon them with compassion and to see them also under the influence of the wicked one so that we won't look upon them with uh, with pride or, or anger, but uh, as Paul says that we are to... Uh, deal with those who oppose with gentleness and and meekness and we might be able to do that a little bit better if we remember that they really are being influenced by these wicked spirits who have such power over their minds we need to see the real enemy behind conflicts even in our lives perhaps in our family in marriage so often as husband is and wife see each other as the enemy, uh, they both lose and Satan wins. And uh, a big part of, of uh, realizing what's going on in the midst of marriage conflicts is to ask ourselves what is what is the devil doing? what, is, what are his goals? And that might help us to uh, change our approach rather than facing off against each other to stand side by fight, side and identify the, the aims of the wicked one and resist him together. Isn't that also true in the church that we can fail to ask ourselves, what is, what is the wicked one's goal in this conflict? I almost hate to bring it up because it's not a pleasant memory, but we've all been through COVID uh, in the past few years. And uh, perhaps you've observed that this was very contentious among Christians. And uh, very often uh, people on both sides were convinced that their their take on the issues was the correct one and the danger was that they would question the spirituality or the wisdom or the Christian confession of others who might dis- differ with them on, on relatively minor things. Now sometimes I got the sad impression that some Christians speak and act as if they have more in common with unbelievers who are on their side of some of the issues than some of their own brothers and sisters in the Lord who may differ with them. And in such conflicts, it is wise to ask the question, what is Satan's design and goal for us as a congregation? Is it that we should all lean in one direction or the other, or is it that we should be at each other's throats and treat each other as enemies? rather than practice forbearance and patience. It's always a good thing to ask, what's he up to? What's his aim? If all we see is other people with their sins and their weaknesses, the danger is self-righteousness or a critical spirit or discouragement, dropping out of the life and fellowship of the church. That actually was the consequence for some. They began to suffer, and some still uh, seem to be suffering kind of spiritual separation disorder. Cynicism, discouragement, they drop out of the church and its life and fellowship. And that's a sad consequence of conflict sometimes. People become spiritually alienated from their brothers and sisters, so they spend less and less time with them. And the less time that they spend with them, the more the alienation grows, the wider the separation becomes. When you face disappointments in the church, it's a call to, in a sense, roll up your spiritual sleeves and work hard at being Christ-like in forbearance and patience and love. And don't ask, first of all, how you're being treated, but ask how you might treat others and how you might battle Satan's aims through conflicts in the church. Have faith in God's working without forgetting the devil's aim uh, to sow discord. Now, that doesn't mean, I trust you know, that uh, we're called to peace at any cost, right? There is there is such a thing as a peace of death, right? Satan really works at creating disunity in the true church of Christ. He's happy enough to leave false churches rather peaceful and harmonious in their unbeliefs. There is such a thing as a peace of death, and we're to contend uh, for the faith. And peace is not to be... Uh, aimed at at the expense of truth certainly not but the devil is happy to produce discord and disunity where there is basic agreement in the face and that happens uh, when we think that our conflict is with flesh and blood and we forget these spiritual enemies we face our real enemies are more powerful and they're more dangerous than flesh and blood. In fact, this language of flesh and blood is really synonymous with weakness in its use in Scripture. When the prophet was uh, discouraging Israel to trust in Egypt, he said, the Egyptians are flesh. They're not spirit. They're weak. Flesh and blood can be rendered harmless in a variety of ways, through sickness, through old age. Flesh and blood can be defeated with physical weapons or imprisoned. They are visible, tangible enemies to our senses. And as I said, their aim is only to harm us in this world, but our real enemies, uh, they never age, they never weaken, they never lose energy or ability in this conflict. The old serpent. That's how the Bible refers to the devil. The old serpent. Well, he's an old serpent. That doesn't mean he's decrepit with age. It means that he has centuries and centuries of experience. And he's a liar. And he's been a murderer from the beginning. That's how Jesus described the enemy. And his aim is to destroy souls. And that leads us to focus a bit more on the language in which our text describes these enemies. We see that our conflict is with powerful hordes there in verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And in every instance, when he refers to authorities against rulers, he's not talking about earthly rulers. They're flesh and blood. Yes, indeed, Satan works through them as he works through uh, fellow workers and perhaps professors at the university and possibly through neighbors, possibly through friends. But these are not simply earthly powers that he's describing. They're spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. They're described as world powers and horses, not in order to lead us to a neat kind of classification of these different types of uh, evil spirits. That's not the intention at all. Paul's intention, no doubt, is to confront us with the seriousness of this conflict that we're in, because uh, these enemies we face are many, they're powerful, they're variously described in such a way as to confront us with their, their power. We know that these evil spirits were once holy angels. They were created good, upright. But as the Belgic Confession says, they left their first state. They rebelled against God. The poet uh, Milton depicts Satan's attitude such that he would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And in pride, he revolted against God. He was cast out of heaven. And he with the fallen spirits and angels, they remain in this world. And they remain with the swift power of movement in the airy realms. Our text refers to their domain of activity as the heavenly places. You go back to chapter 2. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air who rules in the sons of disobedience. To suggest that in some way that is unperceptible to us, the airy realms of this world are the place where evil spirits are active, suggesting swift movement and access to this world. You know, it's popular to uh, talk about unidentified flying objects today. Are there a UFO? Well, yeah, unidentified flying objects means that there are a lot of things that people have seen that they're un- unidentified. But whether there are uh, visitors from other planets or not, you know, that gets a lot of attention. I think it's important for us to, to know that there are, in fact, unidentified flying spirits. And they're a far greater threat than any creature that uh, we might encounter from another planet, though I don't believe any such thing. But the point is that, indeed, there are spirits. They may never become visible to us, but they're active, they're real, and they're a threat that we have to contend with. prince of the power of the air and they serve and promote the darkness of wickedness the wickedness that characterizes this world in which we live and we know that there are horrific deeds that take place every day in this world paul early in this letter says that it's shameful to speak of those things which are done in secret and yes there are shameful things that are done in secret Psalm 70 says that the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations or the homes of cruelty. And sometimes those cruel acts are exposed and laid bare, even to the public eye, with horror. This has been going on in that home, in that place. And investigators have to look at the evidence of such misdeeds and often with such consequences that they suffer a mental breakdown as they confront the wickedness of people perpetrated against other human beings. And yes, we know that mankind is the perpetrator of such deeds, but we must not forget that it's often it is by the instigation and the temptation of evil spirits. and they are vastly numerous our text used a plural description satan drew down a third of the angels with him which means that there are thousands upon thousands and their numbers are never diminished they don't weaken and if anything they grow more experienced and filled with hatred against against god and against his church and our conflict specifically from our text is with our great enemy the devil We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. As if he uh, is, according to scripture, the leader, the prince of these wicked spirits. He's the great liar, he is the great slanderer. Remember, that's how he he began his murderous campaign by seeking to murder the souls of our first parents. How? By slander. Alright contradiction of God. You shall not surely die. And the wicked insinuation that God is withholding something valuable and good from Adam and Eve. And they ought to step out from under God's authority. They ought to sit in judgment upon his word and evaluate it for themselves. And that's been Satan's strategy from the very beginning. He's a slanderer. He He uh, slanders the saints. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he likes to stir up slander among the saints as well. His main strategy is deception and lies. In the last days, people will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. False doctrine is traceable to the liar. He's the tempter. He's the tempter who moves sinners to follow his will. It's the devil who put it into the heart of Jesus, Judas, to betray Jesus. That's what Jesus said. It was the devil who moved Ananias and Sapphira to lie against the church, against the Holy Spirit. In fact, the devil was, was active even In twisting Peter's mind. When Jesus spoke of his coming crucifixion and death, Peter took him aside and said, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not be. And you remember Jesus' response to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He recognized that Peter himself was as the mouthpiece of Satan as he opposed the great saving work of Jesus Christ. We read in 2 Timothy how people are taken captive by the devil to do his will. Now, that doesn't mean, it's, we need to be clear on this, that doesn't mean that the devil made me do it. I don't know if any of you remember that. Years and years ago, that was kind of a popular thing. People even had t-shirts or bumper stickers that uh, they thought was rather funny. The devil made me do it. The devil can't make anyone do anything. He is the tempter and the liar that people are always responsible for their choices or their own actions he is supremely wicked and clever and he's wickedly wise to destroy but he does so by the lies that would infiltrate people's minds so that they choose error over truth lies over falsehood and act accordingly That means, brothers and sisters, that no unbeliever can withstand Satan and his host. If you're not a child of God by a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, Satan hates you too. But the difference is, you have no resources to resist him. You're unable to stand up to him. It takes the seed of the word out of his heart, out of your heart. Remember the parable of the sower, the seed that falls on hard ground? It's the evil one who takes that seed out of the heart so that it doesn't bear fruit. He holds the allure of this world before your eyes. As the God of this world, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he blinds the hearts of those who are perishing lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should enter in. He incites the lust of the flesh. You go back to chapter 2. This world uh, is under the power of the prince, of the uh, power of this air, but they walk according to uh, his power in the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of their mind and of their flesh. They're active, they're walking, they're busy. But behind it, there is Satan's deceptive power. If you're without Christ this morning, you are no match for him. You have no hope in yourself, no power to resist him. That's a solemn thing. It might be be that some of you are thinking this morning, Pastor, are you trying to scare people? Oh, yes, indeed I am absolutely most certainly for those who are not united to the lord jesus christ my goal is that you would be moved by godly fear and that you would take refuge in christ knowing that you cannot stand up to the wicked one you know as i've observed on different occasions that the problem with many people is not that they don't believe in god you might even say that the problem with them is they don't believe in the devil because they believe in a God after a manner, but they think they're perfectly capable of figuring out for themselves what kind of God they want to believe in, how to define him. They think they're perfectly capable in their own reasoning, in their own ability to figure these things out. And when they think that way, they're right where the devil wants them. The devil believes in God. He has a sense enough to tremble but the devil would like not only to live out from under God's authority and his word, but he wants to get people to live out from under God's authority and God's word. And when people think that way, that they can figure out reality for themselves and do it my way, they are in the clutches of the evil one. They don't realize it. And they have no power to escape, right? Isn't that isn't what, that what uh, Paul says in, in uh, Timothy where he exhorts us to be patient with meekness instructing those who are ensnared, correcting them with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses, that they might wake up to their spiritual danger and escape the snare of the devil. That's God's work. But I can assure you that when God does this work, Then people begin to humbly call upon the Lord. Then they become uh, aware of their weakness and vulnerability to lies. Then they awaken to the power of temptation and their own sin, and they realize they need to be saved by God, by His grace. That's the only hope for us, is to trust in the Lord so that we can be strong in the Lord as we have no strength in ourselves. Our only protection and strength is in Christ. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 15, describes that, where it says that uh, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to an open shame by triumphing over them in him. You know, when you think about it, brothers and sisters, this accounts for the fact that this morning we can gather here in peace and I can speak boldly and openly and freely about the wicked one. And I can expose his strategies. And I can can lay bare his schemes and his murderous aims Without fear. Imagine someone becoming uh, a state witness for some gangster, some mob leader, some mafia boss, right? And he's going to come into the the uh, the police station or uh, speak to the FBI. He's going to finger this leader and all his henchmen. He's going to he's going to give uh, evidence on the murders that he's committed. He's going to provide names. He's going to give details. And then he's just going to walk freely out of that uh, station. He'd be a dead man very, very soon. No, he would, need, he would need protection. He might need perhaps a new identity. Because he dared to point out the evil deeds of these wicked earthly powers. And yet you can bear testimony to Jesus Christ and his triumph over the, over the evil one you can let your identity show without fear. You can speak clearly about his schemes. Why? How can that be? Is that because Satan has uh, no power and authority? No, he has no power to destroy Christians. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's like you're you're in the Lord's Witness Protection Program. You don't have to hide your identity. You can speak boldly and clearly. the truth as it is in Jesus did you belong to a faithful Savior who what who has delivered you from all the power of the devil Luther says that the devil is God's devil now what he means by that is that God has him utterly in his power and in his control he can go only so far it's like God has him on a chain he'll accomplish his purposes but always within God's sovereign control Very important comforting thing for Christians he's like a mad dog but he's chained now that is again doesn't mean that we don't take him seriously if you know a mad dog in a chain you don't go up and see how close you can get to him you don't dance in front of him or try to provoke him You take him seriously Satan is not to be mocked or scoffed at we don't taunt him he's no joke we're still in this spiritual warfare we battle with evil forces but our victory is certain in Christ, in the Lord, right? We hear those words, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we might think in rather general terms, yes, be strong by the strength that, that the Lord gives to us. And yes, that's involved. But if you look at this little phrase in the Lord or in Christ and how it runs through this entire epistle, you find that it's your union with Jesus Christ. That is behind every blessing that you have in the heavenly places. He has blessed us in Christ in the heavenly places. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have the forgiveness of sins. In him we have this inheritance. And so we're able to fight against the wiles of the devil because of our union with Jesus Christ. And how he indeed has already achieved all that we need. Through his life and death and resurrection and so to be in Christ is to have the resources to withstand these powers And may God encourage us may God invigorate us with a realistic uh, outlook on this battle that we're in but also with the confidence that in Christ we have what we need to stand to stand to stand against the wiles of the devil amen